Hi, everybody. I am Joey Remini from seekingbalance.com.au. I'm a vestibular audiologist and neuroplasticity therapist, and I take a really special interest in folks who are healing from sensory distortions, from emotional overwhelm, and from sort of chronic sensitivities that are deeply impacting daily life. Many of my listeners have experiences of chronic tinnitus, all forms of dizziness or vertigo or other just unusual, not quite right sensations that the medical world can't really understand, explain or effectively treat. So here we are. We're a community of people from all over the world with all different types of sensitivities and sensory experiences and what we're experiencing is essentially invisible to the outside world. So it's it can feel really confusing. I have many people, myself included, who at times have felt just crazy. And there is a great calming balm, a medicinal effect, I believe, in arriving in a community of people who get it and that we feel seen, we feel heard, we feel understood. And we begin to learn actually that what we're experiencing is deeply normal, deeply healthy, and that there's nothing to fix and we're not broken, that we're learning how to work in a union and communion with our bodies. We're learning to come home and belong to ourselves. And this is what I call the rock steady process of healing with neuroplasticity. I have a treat for you today because I love sharing case studies and the real human journey. And today I want to introduce you to Erin from the United States. Erin, welcome. Thank you. It's such an honor to be here. Yeah. So I just, I was saying earlier before we clicked record that God, where would I be without the Rocksteady community? And um, I built the Rocksteady community online in 2016. And honestly, I had no idea at that point in time that I was really doing it for me. And that it is such a gift to have all of these beautiful, sensitive, heartfelt people being vulnerable, being honest, and exploring this connection to the human body and really navigating a sense of radical trust in the human body, even when it's screaming at us or whirring or dizzy or pulsing or paining and aching, having radical trust that the body knows what it's doing and that we can sit back in that seat of trust and let the body guide us. Erin, um, I would love to hear a little bit about how you found Rocksteady we start at the beginning and then I guess your experience of being part of this beautiful community right okay will you guide me with some questions too as I talk yeah absolutely do you want to just tell us how you found Rocksteady we'll start there absolutely so um I was I had an episode of vertigo that I was not um, fully recovered, that I pretty, actually that I recovered from fairly well. And then I had sort of like an episode of dizziness in the night Mm -hmm. and that, and I, and I woke from that with a feeling of really intense panic. And that panic was super unfamiliar to me, having never really experienced Mm -hmm. um, a panic attack before. And then that sort of set off a deeper sort of more, I guess what would end up being a bit of chronic dizziness, Mm -hmm. which is, Triple PD. Triple PD. <laughs> so just just to clarify for listeners, Erin started with classic BPPV, which is our very common positional, easy to treat form of dizziness. And she had that twice. First time it recovered beautifully with an Epley maneuver, thank goodness. And the second time it came on randomly at night and then had an associated panic attack. And when you get that vertigo plus anxiety combination, it tends to sort of move toward a new diagnosis, which is then triple PD, which is more of a daily unending lingering sense of not quite right dizziness. That's very hard to explain and hard to diagnose. Right. Exactly. So then it was sort of like a, which I'm sure will be familiar to a lot of people. It was like, I had a great physical therapist and um, I did a whole bunch of, um, vestib- so I did a bunch of vestibular physical therapy. And then I did essentially what I later learned through the rock study program to be, um, medical clearance. So I was really searching and searching and searching for answers with my doctor and with the, eventually an ENT who specialized in inner ear disorders. And I even contacted someone at the Mayo clinic mm-hmm. to see if I could come and see that. And I just, a lot of that and was coming up 
And I will say this actually, which I should add, which is that I also started taking a medication for my anxiety. Mm. Um, so, it, so to sort of like help to control that, which actually did really help, mm. uh, because it was sort of like that everything was sort of spiraling. It was kind of like, I was anxious and I was dizzy and I couldn't quite figure out which thing was the one to be treated. Can, so, I, can I just add something there? Cause I get so many emails about medications. Sure. I think it's really nice to just note when medications are able to just slow us down and bring our brain into a place of sort of clearer thinking. That can be really useful because then we're in a position where we can at least pause, concentrate and begin to take on and learn rock steady type skills. And then as soon as possible, whenever we feel equipped and ready and resourced and well enough supported, we actually wean straight off those meds. They are very much a temporary support. Because I think what you're referring to really beautifully is Sometimes we can just be so overwhelmed with anxiety that we can't concentrate, we can't learn, we can't communicate effectively, perhaps we can't even sleep. And so it's just not a a great place to start learning things like the Rocksteady program. So that medication can be just a nice little pit stop, take an exhale, get our sleep back on track, and then we'll we'll wean right off it again as soon as possible once we're getting those body scan tools and things that support us without the medicine. That's right. And for me, it was sleep. It was so that I could sleep. Mm. And it was so that I could, um, you know, get the healing benefits of sleep and then call my nervous system. Actually, my doctor referred to it as my camp friend. She said, um, it's like a friend you love so much at camp, but then camp is over and the friend becomes so much less important. Um, And that was really how it was. It was maybe six weeks. And then I was sleeping again because I was figuring out other ways of sleeping. Yeah, perfect. Um, It's a really lovely example of um, sort of a healthy approach to medicine. Yeah. So, um, so I'm, I, you know, I'm sort of a completist. So I saw every possible doctor I could see and um, I was searching and searching and I knew there had to be a specialist or something. And, and then I came across one of your videos on the internet Mm. And I, it was actually about mal embarkment. Mal Yeah, a friend of mine had said, "Oh, I read some article about such a thing," and I was like, sort of panicked, and I wondered if that's what it was. Anyway, you came up. I watched the video, and I um, part of it, and realized that wasn't what I had. Mm-hmm. But she seemed smart. Mark said he seemed interesting. I ordered the book. Mm-hmm. I read. Um, I read most, well, I'd say maybe like three quarters of the book. I sort of, you know how I sort of did it like this, do you know, sort of like, oh, I probably, there's still probably a way I can be healed from this blue medicine. And so I'll just sort of look at this and and I kept it kind of like in the closet of my office and every once in a while I'd be like, oh, maybe I'll look at that book. But I was, I was scared and I was sad. I want to say for the people listening without video, Erin was giving us a visual of sort of one foot in one foot out like I was sort of reading the book but sort of not reading the book and sort of committed but sort of a bit nervous so carry on okay and then um and then I saw an ear nose and throat doctor who I thought was going to be the one and the one who was really going to have some answer and he was just he did us did some scans needed some other things and then my last appointment with him he was sort of like you have dizziness and he was making it sort of seem like it was exciting. And I was like, well, what will you do? And he's like, I shall do, I'll die. I won't do anything. And I was like, well, here I am. I came to the end and it was sad. And I mm. cried a lot. I mean, I cried in the car on the way home a lot. Good. That's healthy. And we want to let those tears flow because that's the grief. That's the grief. Yeah. And yeah. it's so, so important that we don't, accumulate that grief and you know kind of jam it into the body and give it nowhere to go so the crying the crying is is that's right on so I was I was sad and I looked some more at the book and then I um decided that I was gonna do the seven days, right? Would that have been the next thing that I did? Yeah, there's the seven days of support, which is seven okay. small audios, just five minutes a day, oh, seven days, just to get a little taste of what is neuroplasticity and what am I getting into? And it's super gentle and highly educational. 
but I, it really is very gentle and I can't honestly recommend it enough. Like I feel like even as I entered into rock steady, I would still go back to some of what I had learned in the seven days because the seven days has the bot, the original body scan in it, mm-hmm. I think. And that I still, that recorded body scan that you do. I mean, it's just like, I mean, I could really recite it word for word, awesome. feel the sunshine, feel the breeze. Beautiful. <laughs> you're outside it's really just it was so moving to me so I did those seven days and then I think I was still pretty scared can I ask Um, what you were scared of because that could be useful I I think I was scared that I couldn't I was scared of having a change in my body that I couldn't you know that was not fixable Mm. that I was going to have to sort of attend to in some way that was going to I was afraid of being changed I was going to say, I was wondering that because it could be, I could imagine, and I'm not sure if I'm thinking about my own fear here or just general ones, but the two fears I could think of is one is what if I never get better and I'm stuck and I try Joey's program and I'm stuck. And then it's like, where to next? This kind of ultimate fear of everyone else can heal, but not me, that one. And then the other fear, which I also, I definitely relate to this second one, which is like, what if I'm afraid of who I'm becoming? What if the neuroplasticity changes me into someone and that's scary, that new person I'm becoming? And I want to just really reassure people that when we do lean deeply into the neuroplasticity process, it's gentle and rewarding and it's actually guided by what feels easy, gentle, comfortable, grounding and centered in the body. So all of those new blossoming, becoming changes of this new person who you're you're crafting through this neuroplasticity guided process. Every step is honestly guided by those metrics of am I feeling grounded? Does this feel like a sort of easeful process for me or am I pushing? Is it anxious? Is it, you know, we're actually really shifting into a new way of being that is really grounded, centered, rewarding, gentle. So I kind of want to put those fears at 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 bay for those listeners I think that's yeah a hundred percent 150 percent I agree with that I mean I think that was you know that those were sort of those old things I was holding on to and yet I will say that there was something there is something about the the incredible thoroughness and slowness and particularity of rock study that I feel like allows for those fears to fall away so quickly. I feel like every time I wanted to be a contrarian, it was as though like I wanted to drop something, right? The rock, the rock study program was always going to always there with something to sort of hold it up. Mm. You know, I just felt like there was this kind of like, there was like, there's such a, and I can't, I can't, I want to try to find the right word. There, it's just so complete rock steady. You're giving me goosebumps. And I think what you're referring to is my, my approach looks at the whole person. So it almost doesn't matter which part of me is tantruming or freaking out or nervous, or even just like obstinate, like, no, yeah. I don't, I don't want to yeah. do this today. I'm just going to rebel for no reason. The program holds you there and that's yeah. so fine. It's like, take a day of rest. Great. Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. I don't want to do tapping today. Great. Good decision. Back yourself. The whole person is welcome. Is that right? That's totally what it is. And I feel like it was almost it was as though the program could anticipate these stages I was going to move through. And Mm. so that every time I could kind of move through them, there would be something for me. Mm. So that it would be like, let me think if I can see if I can think of an example. It would be like. I I can't think of anything specifically, but one will come to me, but that was really just sort of the thing. It was like, and I think, okay, so let me just back up one minute and say that I did the seven days Mm -hmm. and then I felt, I just, after those seven days, I was just like, well, I'm just going to, I, this is, well, this is going to, this is for me. That's what I felt like. I felt like it was really going to contain me and I was going to be able to do it. And so I sat down with my wife and I said, Mm. I think I want to commitment to this program I want to pay this money and I want to enter into this project and she was like yeah I think you should do it and so Mm -hmm. um I did and then 
you enter. So then once you're in, you kind of enter into this world on the site and you, so then you get that, oh no, it's the email. So every email is just like sort of somehow like meeting you in that spot where you're at. And then you begin to listen to the modules. Mm. And I think that's where I started to really like, it was interesting because it was like the seven days brought me somewhere. And then when I began the full program, it was like, I went further back to go deeper in. Oh yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and it was just like, okay, I'm gonna, gonna really listen to this module. I'm going to learn these things. And again, I just felt met like every time I would have a, my contrarian brain would be like, what if that doesn't work? And then I would feel like I would hear something that would be like, you'll have a feeling that maybe this won't work. That's okay. I mean, I sort of had this feeling like you and Rocksteady were like, really, it was fine with you if I didn't, if I lost my belief in whether that was going to work because you were going to just, it was going to be waiting. You're like, it's okay. You can think it's not going to work for a little while. That's fine. Then you can come back and you can get back to it. Mm -hmm. So I felt like sort of like secure in my doubt sometimes. Does Mm -hmm. that make sense? It does. It's really interesting. And I I can barely remember. I mean, of course I remember building Rocksteady and I was just, I was actually deeply in a cocoon of solitude for that year. I was designing it and building it. Um, And I guess you could say it was a highly meditative year for me. Like I was really just connecting to all of my future program members. Like it's like, I could feel you in my world. Mm -hmm. I wasn't alone. Mm-hmm. The number of people who have gone through the Rocksteady program and said, Joey, I feel like you are talking directly to me. Yeah. It feels like you yeah. are in the room with me. It's yeah. this intimate connection of people who really get it. Yeah. Um, and so it is a, it, from a spiritual point of view, it's kind of a very interesting experience. It really is. Yeah. Um, which, which, you know, which isn't, it was an academic part of it was this blind faith or not blind faith, this raw leap of faith of me trusting that my words would land. And then you members going into the program and also trusting something. And we're in this mystery together where things just land and work in, in all sorts of bizarre ways. Yeah. <laughs> because really. it's not cookie cutter, you know, they're really oh. like a lot of freedom. Do you want to, do you want to speak a little bit about how maybe you dipped in and out and yeah. made it work for you? Sure. So I, let's see, I had a couple modules that I think I really love so that I would listen to those over and over again. And um, I also, well, they're sort of like, so there's, there's so many components of the program, right. Which is sort of one of the things that's so amazing about it. And I love some of the, um, the writing exercises I did at first and then I, those sort of fell away. Those weren't as like interest. Those weren't as helpful to me in part because I'm a writer as my profession. And so I feel like that felt like work. Yeah. Um, and yes. Yeah. This is a hot tip for those listening. You can also do voice audios, which means you're not writing, but you're getting yeah. exactly the same exercise just through a different neural pathway, yeah. a different way. Yeah. That's very effective too. Yes, that's true. Um, it was the somatic exercises that I feel. So there was one piece is that you have all these fantastic vestibular sort of exercises, which were in some ways reminiscent of the vestibular PT I had done. And yet also so different just because your take on everything is so different. And so I felt there was a part of me that needed to kind of heal from the vestibular PT. Trauma. Yeah. Kind of. And to do those exercises with you Mm -hmm. and to just be like, this is part of my relationship with Rocksteady too, but it's actually just like such a small piece, you know, and I'm just going to do these things and I'm going to see how they feel. So I dipped in and out of that. Mm -hmm. Um, I returned to several bonus audios, like Mm -hmm. all over the course of a lot of time. Mm -hmm. There's like a sleep skills Mm -hmm, piece mm -hmm. that I, I find incredible. There's a lot of scientific um, neuro, sort of neuroplasticity pieces that I love listening to just because there's so much encouragement and curiosity in them, which I love so much, um, mm-hmm. and which I felt to be so encouraging. I liked, I dipped in and out of listening to people's stories about the surfer. I like to listen to the story yeah. of him a lot. Yeah. Um, I'm curious. 
with the body stuff, so for example, a sitting body scan or noticing the breathing or even all the different various standing body scans, because it really is quite different to vestibular therapy, but you're right at face value, you know, someone who doesn't understand Roxetti could just say, oh, they're the same thing, but really they're, they're philosophically quite different. Yes. How did your relationship to your body change as you began to sense and feel in your body and respond to your body and listen to your body? And talk me through that. I think the way that it, um, so I've always been just a person who does tons of exercise and tons of yoga. And like, so I feel sort of like as I'm an embodied human. And then what happened was I just sort of felt like really at odds with my body yeah. once this happened, right? I was mm-hmm. like, I couldn't believe that this problem that I was having was like so lodged in me. Mm-hmm. And so um, what I began to do in, with the help of the body scan and the sleep skills, and then something that I think was a module, which is the idea of there is peace and solidness and steadiness somewhere in your body. Mm. And you have to find it and you have to grow it. Mm. And it's not a mantra and it's not a visualization, it's an actual feeling. And so after I had gotten a little better at the body scans and the sleep skills, I was like, okay, I'm going to try some of these things. So I did some exercises for myself where I was like sort of drawing all of this energy, like down, you know, sort of down. Right. So I would work on bringing it all the way down into my feet. Um, And then I sort of created this experience for myself where if I were to lie on my side and I would put one foot sort of nestled into the other, I could find Mm -hmm. this, I felt this real sense of calmness Mm -hmm. and then I would stay with it and it would kind of grow and grow and grow into the point that now this time later, like I lie down, I put my feet into that position, my whole body relaxes. Yeah. You know, I don't, I, I can't say the exact position you're doing, but it almost reminds me of like a fatal, very, very you know, the, intuitive neural. Yeah, sort of yeah it is. Calming. But the funny thing about it is it's actually my two, it's actually like one foot on the side and the other foot kind of cradling in to right the spot where the foot is. It's just my feet. And the thing is, is, um, yeah, totally. And this is so unique. So if you guys listening, don't go at home trying to f- replicate that. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. I mean, by all means, try it, but this is an errand thing. And it could be, and this is just the science geek in my brain pondering, it could be that you actually did have that position fatally in your mum's belly and your brain registered that as a really comfortable sleep position. And now when you do it as an adult, the brain goes dunk, straight back into that embodied somatic memory. And yeah. this is why neuroplasticity can never be cookie cutter because, and I, I've said, use this example before, but if people try and do certain breathing exercises or certain body positions and it triggers them because maybe they're asthmatic or maybe they had a car accident while they were standing and looking and what so it triggers a really difficult memory whereas for somebody else it might be super calming and take they you know they associate it with standing by a waterfall and we're just all so beautifully different that we have to know ourselves know what irritates us know what is traumatic for us and how to support ourselves through creating sort of closure loops for those traumas and also know what soothes us. And some of the Mm -hmm. things that we find soothing and calming are just downright weird and odd and eccentric and owning that, letting ourselves flap and shake and dance and trill our lips and make funny noises. But if that's what our nervous system needs to recenter and regroup, we can really have fun with that and be, be radically accepting. So and I think one of the things Rock Study did for me was to to sort of set me off the path of trying to find that thing that's going to work for everybody. Because so much of them, so much of what I heard in the modules and the exercises and the visualizations was this is you're just you're that there are no answers. There's mm-hmm. you be seeing how you feel and and everybody's here with you. Like I really feel when you're in Rock Study, you do not feel alone. Mm-hmm. You just really don't you know, the end. So I think that there was this feeling of like, both you have to find your own way because you don't, Joey doesn't have the answers and the group doesn't have your answers. The group has this incredible intuitive experience, but you've got to like do it. 
you know, we yourself. Have, we have shared questions. <laughs> a lot of people will say on the, because there's so many call replays on the, the archive of call replays now over the years. So there's like this incredible specific podcast that you can tune into once you become a Rocksteady program member. And people time and time again will say, God, people keep asking questions that I didn't even know I had until they asked the question. And I'm like, that was so helpful. And yeah. so we're all on this sort of wavelength where we have a lot in common, but the way we actually navigate our daily choices and our way of implementing neuroplasticity will be highly individual. And that's possibly where some people get a little bit stuck. They'll, sure. they'll be really adhering to being good, being an A-plus student, doing the right thing, doing what they're told instead of really shaping it, customizing it. You want to tweak things a bit. You want to make it your own. Exactly. Yeah, I'm so pleased. I'm just so pleased that you made that little exercise for yourself, that that you were in that position to custom design and craft your own home practice or just way of being in your body. And I feel like that's available to, I mean, probably everyone, right? In one way or another, just systematic, like a lot of trial and error and feeling. It's what children do. So it doesn't take academic prowess. You don't need PhD. I mean, kids are so natural at making things work for themselves and they're curious and they'll, you know, they'll they'll just, they'll follow what feels fun. They'll follow what feels light. They'll follow what just gathers their fancy and curiosity so right. that's what I mean by this person we're becoming is following this light of what feels curious, what feels like an edge I'm ready for. Right. Um, it's kind of interesting when you look at it in the reverse and be like, why do we chase what makes us anxious? <laughs> why do we stay stuck in worry loops? doesn't make any sense, but we do. We have that negativity exactly. bias. Yeah. yeah. It's hard to get, get over. The yeah. other um, that I'm remembering now, the other physical piece was tapping. Yeah. Yeah. And that was, um, so that's something that, what is that comes in one of the rock study modules? True. It's really okay. early on. It's early. Yeah. And it, some people have a lot of resistance to tapping. In fact, I would say I had resistance to tapping in the beginning. It just yeah. seems so hoo hoo la la, but yeah. it's, it's a great way to pacify the nervous system. Yeah. Um, speaking aloud, you know, just even from like a musician's point of view, music just absolutely nourishes the brain in so many different right. ways. But when our brain hears our own voice, our own vocal cord vibration, it feels in control. It feels more safe. So our brain That's actually likes to hear our voice. So this is like this feedback loop of when I'm oh, talking aloud, I'm offering my brain a sense of control, predictability, and calm. So as we're tapping and we're tapping through perhaps some of our deepest fears, as well as some of our deepest desires and joys, the brain's actually able to do some reorganization and to also start to potentially reorganize unnecessary fears. Um, And people will say, but why, why would I tap things I don't want? Or why would I tap through worries and fears? And it's because we're actually creating this non-bias, this non-judgmental, everything welcome platform. So the brain can rewire, create new synapses, use this beautiful um, neuroplasticity process. And that is only possible once we move away from the judgment of positive and negative, that there are no negative thoughts. There are no negative beliefs. They're really just strings of words that we're creating space for. And we're unhooking the emotional loading so that the brain can start to be more plastic. So Mm -hmm. the tapping is really quite powerful and the science behind it is um, interesting. It is interesting. Yeah. And it's so it, the way that the module introduces it is super do it's very doable. It's just, it's just sort of like one tapping out or two out tapping algorithms. And it's just like very manageable. Mm. And I found it helpful. I did it with you, I guess, on the video for a while. And then I sort of did it on my own. Yeah. Yeah. So um, how did the Rocksteady program, obviously it might've been a slow burn, but if you think about Erin before Rocksteady and then Erin after Rocksteady or during Rocksteady. How did it change your way of life? How did it change about how you felt in yourself, how you approached your day? Well, I think, I mean, in in terms of the way that I felt about myself, I had so, Rocksteady gave me so much more confidence 
in what I could do and what would feel okay and what would maybe not feel great and would still be fine. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, it was kind of that, like, will this be perfect? Maybe not. Mm. Will that be fine? Yes. Yeah. And it was a sort of like get, letting go of that idea that maybe I would feel perfectly fine all the time and that I could still kind of keep going. Mm-hmm. And so I think there was so much about rock study that was like, you're fine, you're safe. So much of the language is about was about safety, about physical safety, about being, about sort of your, you know, your healing and this is natural and this is normal and this is being a human. And, mm-hmm. and I think that I needed that, I needed the, the way that it was normalized. Mm-hmm. The reassurance. There was really nothing wrong mm. and I would really be fine. Mm. Um, and so in that way, I feel like what Rocksteady did was it just gave me like this little push into starting to do things. And then in the doing of things, I sort of got more life force back. You know, I was less fearful. And so I was traveling more. And mm-hmm. how would that be on the plane? Well, it was fine. Or one day, one time it actually wasn't great. And I remember actually hearing your voice in my mind saying like, sometimes it's not going to be great. And I was actually like, sometimes it's not going to be great. And then I just kind of kept moving. And in so doing, I did more and more and more to the point that, um, you know, six months after I'd done, started rock study, maybe even less. I went to Norway. Yeah. I went to a Taylor Swift concert with lots of <laughs> wow <laughs> lights. Um, I've traveled all over the place. I was able to visit my daughter at college without any trouble. Um, I've just kind of done so much, and um, I have brought it, and I and I have felt well. And in the times I haven't felt well, I have also felt well. If that makes yep. sense, totally. And I want to just clarify this for listeners because I know in the modern day fast-paced world we live in things can often seem like do do go go traveling concerts and then we can feel so incredibly disabled and disordered if we can't participate and if we can't keep up pace and so I just want to clarify for realistic expectations and realistic thinking as you were going to Norway or going to the Taylor Swift concert or visiting your daughter were you consciously actually giving yourself some downtime and some body scan time to both prepare your body for those big events, but then also to recover afterwards? Was there this sense of Taylor Swift's going to be big for my brain? So I think I'm going to have slow time to prepare my brain, quiet time. And then again, you know, that we call it the body scan sandwich. Were you consciously pacing yourself and giving your body the recuperation as as you felt appropriate? Okay, I'm so glad you actually asked that because that is probably the number one thing about my life that changed after doing rock study, which is that I learned how to repair and recover and rest. And so that sometimes we we need to do it before we need it. We anticipate like okay, absolutely Christmas with the in-laws. Don't book anything in the day before. Don't book anything in the day after. I'm going to have to be on my A game. Like, you know, you okay. you actually anticipate the challenges as well, I think, is That's right. that toolkit. And I think that was something I learned. And I don't even remember from what module that it was, but there was a lot of talking about sort of like um, the sort of, you know, like what it means to rest and to take a day off and to have a bad day. I think that one's module five. We go through okay. all these preparing lists for scenarios and feeling resourced. Yeah. Right. And which I did, you know, so I did all of that. And so, um, so yeah, so in a way that I would never have believed before I did this, I nap, mm-hmm. you know, most days I have some kind of a rest. And then if I'm going to do something sort of big and exciting, it's like actually like now a couple of days before I do it, where I'm like, I'm going to eat this, I'm going to eat well, I'm going to get my exercise, I'm going to get my fresh air, but I'm always going to get an actual time of resting. And I have these particular body scans that I do during the day before I take that rest. Um, And then, and then at any time after something that I've done this big, I do the same. And it's really super, super essential. Like I wouldn't say that I could do any of those things without it. It's so nourishing. And I want to say it's so healthy and I want to say it's so normal and it's really tragic. And that's why I I opened this question up because, you know, in our sort of social media posty posty world, we don't post about our naps and our siestas and our quiet body scans. We post about the Taylor Swift concert. 
So it can appear that everyone is just go, 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 do, do, do. And therefore I'm a total freak because I'm exhausted. Whereas I think the Rocksteady community normalizes having perhaps a slower pace of life, not for everybody, but particularly for those of us who are neurodivergent. Yeah. And we have a different brain and we have yeah. to be aware that that Taylor Swift concert is going to frazzle my brain. It'll be fun. It'll be great. But my yeah. brain, yeah. my brain will be working really deeply and really fast. So I'm going to have to resource my brain to be ready for that, to have capacity. And then I'm going to have to have recuperation and I might even want to leave early, you know? So just having all of those in mind, not because I'm sick, but because that's my processing neurotype just the way I'm born. It's healthy. Mm-hmm. And I think the Rocksteady community really invites this new way of viewing the world. Whereas without Rocksteady, I know I can speak for myself, I felt a lot of pressure to be like normal people or to be like a normal neurotypical fast go, you know, like my peers who might be able to do lots of things all in one day, whereas I would just be burnt out at the thought of it. And I could maybe dip in with one or two activities, but then I'm frazzled and I'm I'm spent, I'm exhausted. Um, and I didn't have that sense of normalizing that, understanding my body, understanding my neurotype. So therefore I would feel abnormal. I'd feel sad. I'd feel not good enough as a younger woman. And um, I think a lot of that not understanding my body, not understanding how to prepare myself, resource myself, recuperate, not understanding my neurotype led to more things like tinnitus, dizziness, migraines, you know, headaches, like exhaustion where I would feel like I just need to cocoon and be on my own because I wasn't caretaking and no Mm -hmm. one had taught me how. So I think Rocksteady is just game-changing in giving us that platform to explore how we're all unique and we all have a different mind, body, brain processing sort of neurotype. And I think we're most happiest, most grounded and most clear thinking when we know our neurotype and we know how to caretake for for it. And I would also say that in my early time of working through the Brock study program, so those weeks when I was doing a module every week or every other week, mm-hmm. I had a pretty specific um, schedule for myself that was kind of limited to why would there was sort of one big thing I did a day, you mm-hmm. know, like, so that if I, it, there would have been a time maybe when I would have had, oh, I can take my daughter to tennis and I can do a doctor's appointment and I can do something else. And then when I was entering into this sort of rock study process, I really intentionally changed that to one thing a day, Mm -hmm, uh, which really made it just just sort of, for me, just made a real difference. It was just, there's that thing. And then I will know that I don't have, that I haven't spent too much time outside of, you know, what, what was feeling calm to me. And then I also remember listening to one of the modules where you had said, um, all my rock study people have, you know, at least one or two days a month where no matter what, you know, you just don't, you just need to be in bed. You just need to take a day. And, and now I've come to just like, look, kind of look forward to that day. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and for menstruating women, that can be just before bleeding or while bleeding. We just, we may want to have a very quiet, inward, dreamy, couchy book reading solo day. And that's yeah. just potentially part of our month. And awesome. also also from a releasing tension point of view, you know, from all the tension that accumulates in the body from doing life and from being in the world, maybe having one or two days a month to really let the body defrag and release and discharge, it can also just be a really healthy self-preservation tool. Yeah. Um, and, and not for everybody. I'm not suggesting it's a prescription, but it's an invitation. And I love that you're potentially even like calendarizing that and looking forward to it because that puts you in the seat of control more too instead of feeling like it's a full-blown migraine where you cannot enter the world which is sort of perhaps thrust upon us but to actually choose a couple of quiet days a month I think again you know it comes back to that module five pace of what's nourishing for me and how can I plan for this mm-hmm. yeah I will say that I think that what the power of Rocksteady is the tension between you will need to repair and you will need to rest and you will also need to do the things in the world you love to do that. And what is some of your language? It's like that make you feel like a good person that make you feel like you're living your values. Like that was so meaningful to me. 
So that at a certain point, if there were a day when I were just feeling crummy, I would think, well, I'm going to do something that makes me feel like I'm living my values, even that that small. Mm-hmm. And that would really, it would really make a difference to me in the same way that resting would make a difference for me to take an action, even if it, that made me feel mm-hmm. like I was really in the world yeah. in the way I wanted to be. That's module four, module four, you know, dreaming up our ideal kind of way of life and person and we want to be in the world and really looking at our values and going into that sort of dreamy space of imagining a different way of relating to ourselves and relating to the world. It's a really, I mean, that process I think we could easily do on repeat every six to 12 months. Amazing. I actually like really, can I just show you something even though people on the video won't be able to see it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I made like I actually like worked so hard on my um on my values board. I worked yeah. for like days trying to find pictures that I felt like really matched the words I was trying to focus on. Mm-hmm. And I lived with this board like really close to me for like weeks. And then I took a picture of each of the pictures that I associated with a word and I put on my phone. Oh. And it was like my screensaver. So like one image was for courage, one was for awe, one was for contentment, one was for gratitude and one was for um enjoyment. Right. And they just were things that represented those ideas to me. Yeah. So the color is so earthy. Yeah. Like sort of terracottas and ochre colors. So for the podcast listeners, it's a poster with five pictures and each of the five pictures represents a certain desired sensation that Erin was using to build in her neuroplasticity synapsing process. So this is part of her homework. Awesome. And it was a fun homework assignment. And I don't, yeah. there was a way that I just developed a, a relationship with the images. Yeah, so I love that, how simple like, it is. Because I mean, I could show you mine for those, the podcast people can't see it. But if I tilt that, look, mine's all over the place. Yeah. Little images. But it's all about what resonates for the person. So mine was much more scrapbooky, um, little odd ends, colors, chaos. In fact, it says on my one, my balance is somewhere between order and chaos. (laughs) Um, And it's so beautiful to let our individual oddities and eccentricity shine forwards. There is no A plus, there is no right or wrong. There is no rush. There's no agenda. You do, you do what you want, when you want, as you fancy. And it was really, um, it was a, it was a sort of exercise I always resisted. Mm-hmm. And then I, because I felt, because I had made this kind of heart commitment to rock study that I was like, okay, well, I guess, you know, I'm going to do this because I'm, I'm, I'm really giving, I'm really committing to this. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to try this process, which I've always rolled my eyes at. And, um, oh God, it just became so, it just really, these images are so meaningful to me this time later. I can just look at them and I can really feel cur- like I can feel braver yeah. just by looking at that image. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I get it. And um, I could geek out there talking a little bit about yoga, but I think I might restrain myself. But, you know, there there is a lot of ancient Eastern traditions that, that these are skills and tools people have been using for millennia. Um, you know, visual images can stimulate a package of recognizable vibrations that change mm-hmm. our physiology and our body. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's this pattern recognition. And once we learn to know ourselves, we can really take advantage of this in the same yeah. way as if we see something traumatic, instantly we can feel it in the body. It's like yeah. smelling vomit, you know, the whole yeah, body can sure. go, whoa. Right. These pattern recognitions, but we can do that in the same way for feeling grounded. If we know yeah. what things trigger that groundedness response. We can use those smells and those images and those body postures and those songs or music or sounds to engage those neural patterns more deeply. And it's all about knowing yourself because an expert can't go, all right, look at this poster and listen to this song and put, do this body position and you will feel X, Y, Z. It just doesn't work that way. It's not yeah. an external expert um, phenomenon. No. But it is, so it is, it is not something that happens instantly either. So that's why I feel like rock steady the way that again, like I feel sort of like this sort of hammock or something. It's just like, you have to, 
you can't do, I felt like I could not have done this sort of work or rewiring of my brain or understanding of myself in a different way without something that felt so complete. Does that make sense? Like the yeah. program is so thorough yeah. um, and it's so, it so has something for every way you're feeling differently on all sorts of different days. Like some days I would listen to an audio and it would be just the thing. And then the next day I'd be like, mm-hmm. I need something different. And then I would, it would be something else because yeah. it's just such a varied experience don't you think it's just like, you're it's, just feeling so many different things. Yeah. It's the physical, mental, emotional, spiritual layers and interconnectedness and everything's interacting. And so it's not necessarily linear or simple. It's, it's quite non-linear and mm-hmm. complex and understanding our inner complexity as human beings is a lifelong journey. Um, I encourage people to dip in and out of one-on-one therapy. If they find a therapist who they develop, you know, a trust and compassion with, but honestly, therapy does not replace the self-study process of rock study. They're entirely different journeys. Um, and, you know, that's the same applies when people book in one-on-one with me. I get them to go through that rock steady self-study process as well because it's that being at home, putting it in the earbuds, you know, being with yourself, with your own body has a totally different quality and effect to sitting one-on-one in therapy and going through some beautiful work there. That's right. And I do have a therapist and I, you know, I appreciate, she's been so much part of my healing journey and I feel like it's just, it's just, it's just its own separate thing in some way. Yeah. Yeah. The educational piece on understanding neuroplasticity and what it means for me in my daily life is the nuts and bolts of Rocksteady. Mm-hmm. So um, I highly recommend it for anyone who might be feeling bothered about chronic symptoms. Maybe you have unexplained or difficult to understand audio vestibular diagnoses or just strange symptoms. You're hearing things, you're feeling things. You don't really know necessarily how to put it to words, but you just know you don't feel at the top of your game day in, day out. And it's exhausting. It's debilitating. Um, it's a bit soul crushing. And I know the self-esteem can really struggle when we're going through this invisible difficulty. And on the outside, we might look kind of well and strong. So it's really confusing because what we're feeling on the inside is not matching what people are seeing on the outside. So the Rocksteady process community, the program is there for you. It's an amazing learning journey of self-discovery. And I am honestly still on that journey and still really deeply enjoying connecting with the live monthly calls. We've got our monthly grief and soul tending circles where we get together and we go through a ritual process and we share. It's vulnerable, true, uh, confidential, unrecorded. And then we have other Q&A where people bring insights, questions, challenges, and we hold each other, you know, and it's just this beautiful foothold of connection, belonging, and humanity, um, which I still benefit from and participate in. It's um, so much more than a 12-week program. It's really a way of life. I really feel like every time I do the body scan, which I've now done so many, I mean, it just, it's new. It's just a new, different thing every time, honestly, you know, because you're changing your dynamic, you're, you're an evolving living creature as am I. And, and so, yeah, it's, it really does open up so many doors. Yeah. Erin, I love to finish these case study chats by asking if you wanted to take a moment to reflect on what wisdom or encouragement you would offer yourself, you know, one or two years ago in a dark moment, a difficult moment of doubt, perhaps you needed reassurance. What would you say to yourself from where you are today? Mm. Wow. Okay. I think I might say that you're going to love being alive even more than you do now. Mm. That's what I think. I, I, and even, you know, you're going to, despite your, maybe the fears that you have about what's coming or the unknown, it's actually going to be a better way to live. Oh yeah. I really relate to that. That's a nice one. That gave me goosebumps too. <laughs> and I think just on that note, cause we did talk about that fear of transfer transformation and fear of who oh. we're becoming. That's a really valid fear, you know. I think I think growth and transformation are by default a little scary. Mm-hmm. 
and we're never in full control. But I want to say the rock steady process and understanding neuroplasticity from this conscious level, because we're choosing so much how we use our body and what we do. It puts a lot of the control back into our hands. We definitely do not control everything, but it's much less scary because we're in choice so much more, which gives us that control, at least elements of control back. And because our guiding lights are our desired sensations, more and more often we're actually feeling what we want to feel and what we desire to feel. And we just keep building on those building blocks every day once we've got the toolkit and the ideas and the strategies and the understanding and the embodiment. Um, So, yeah, the fear is really welcome and really valid, um, but I really want to uh, encourage people to lean into that. Yeah. Yeah. And also I would say that even even the, no matter how, whatever the journey is or how long it takes or any of those things, even the very early focus on this idea of the desired sensations, it just changes you. Yeah. You know, just in the, it just, if you, it just, when you kind of like commit to doing rock steady and you begin to even visualize the idea of what it means to have a desired sensation, I feel like it's like off to the races almost. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like something changes. And you're like, I can desire a sensation. And then you're like, oh my God. Okay. Like, I just think, so it's, it's big and it's, it's a process and all those things, but also it's like, there's something about that idea of I can desire a sensation and I can make it mine is kind of amazing. And it's pretty fast. Yeah. Well, you've done so well. Thank you for your commitment. Thank you for being a part of our community. It's my pleasure. The Rock City community really is nothing without all of my people, my listeners, um, yeah, we really are in this together. And so for those of you listening who relate, who are interested, dive in seekingbalance.com.au. You can follow the links right through to the Rocksteady program. And I'll really look forward to meeting more of you. And Erin, you can dive in and out of our live calls as you wish. I'd love to hear from you again. So thank you so, much, so much for your time today. Thank you so much for everything. And congratulations for such a huge turnaround. Thank you. Yeah. All right. So bye for now, everyone.